0: Hello and welcome to the Bitcoin Standard Podcast. Our guest today is Muawiyah Tucker. Muawiyah is an accomplished educator in Islamic law, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and blockchain technology. Since 2006, he has been teaching Arabic and Islamic studies, and later, he expanded his expertise into computer, Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrencies with a focus on the Islamic perspective. Muawiyah has produced a lot of videos and articles about his view on why Bitcoin concords with the Islamic perspective on money and Islamic Sharia, and uh, I'm keen on getting his perspective on this topic, which I found very interesting and we've discussed repeatedly in this podcast. So, Muawiyah, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Alhamdulillah. I'm, I'm pleased to be here. Thanks for that. All
0: right, so, to begin with, first tell us a little bit about your background and how you found um, Bitcoin and Islam. I presume you, you've told me, I think you you weren't born Muslim, yeah. right? You converted, right?
1: Yeah, so. Um, so, you're British, right? Yeah, so born and raised in London. And um, uh, I was kind of raised as a as a Christian. I won't say devout Christian, but in a sense that I used to willingly go to the church without being told to. <laughs> as you my mom wasn't a church caller, but I decided at one point. I wanted to get close to God, you could say That was when I was in my early teens um, And then I guess in college I was approached by someone about Islam And I had no idea what Islam was I thought, I thought Muslims worship monkeys and, and pigs and stuff But and then I discovered, no, they don't do that So I went down the rabbit hole I found out about Islam And then when I was about 17 or 18 I accepted Islam And about two years later I got accepted to study The Islamic University of Medina in Saudi Arabia And where I studied there for seven years And achieved a, a degree in Islamic law So I went from Born Christian Came Muslim in college Went to Saudi Arabia Learned Arabic for three years And then four years I did, I did a degree in Islamic law um, that's, That was my In brief know, There's a lot to say But that's my brief um, Journey from, from that to Islam and then, when I, and then when I graduated in 2008 I returned to the UK uh, My aim was to teach people about Islam and Arabic that was my main thing, so I, I set up an Islamic uh, institute to do that and um along the way i uh, came across bitcoin um now i didn't come i didn't come across bitcoin in a way to make money that, wasn't, that was not my intent um I think from the early from two thousand and twelve well actually from from the very beginning really I, I was I was kind of against um fiat and banking, but I didn't know why I mean, i'm I'm, I'm guess you already know this when we we, we kind of have this we all have this feeling that something's not right, <laughs> and, and I felt something was not right. And especially when I, um, my first year, when I was studying in Saudi Arabia, my wife and I, we were in Saudi, it was in 2001, and without any warning or, 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 or explanation, both mine and my wife's bank account was closed, shut down, and uh, it was at a point when we actually really needed money. Because obviously we we just literally landed in Saudi Arabia. I was just a new student. I had nothing other than me, myself and my wife, uh, and I tried to access my money and it was shut down. Um, it, I think it was just soon after September 11th. So I think I don't know why, but they just shut it down, and they never gave me an explanation and anything anything like that. So I was kind of against banks from from early on, and when I graduated and I wanted to set up my institute, there was always I was always I was always a kind of gold bug. I had this idea that that gold is a better money and. It's free and all the rest of it. I went down that whole rabbit hole of, you know, we have to return to the gold standard. That was in 2011 and 12. And then I did hear about Bitcoin. I knew there was a thing called Bitcoin. I, I, I always, I never rejected the idea. I kind of liked the idea because for me, it was like, again, it was like gold. I mean, I think everyone who is not too biased in gold, if they hear about Bitcoin, they kind of, they'll accept it. As long as they're not too much invested in gold. I think that's, that's probably one of the reasons why people have issues with them. Um, with Bitcoin, if, if they're gold bugs If it's too much invested in one thing It's become difficult to accept something else I wasn't too much invested in gold I, 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 You know, I liked it But I didn't do anything about it It was like a good idea, nice, great But nothing happened under that But then, um, I think 2017 or 16 uh, Again, more issues with banks I think it was PayPal this time And I was trying to accept payments on our, on our website For lessons and courses and uh, I think they had some issues uh, attaching PayPal to my website. And I was just so frustrated with all the whole system. I thought to myself, why can't I just accept payments online without having to go through all this nonsense of p- proving who I am and whatnot? So I said to myself, let me try this Bitcoin thing. <laughs> let me see if I can add a plugin to my website that I can accept payments. And at least then, I could just bypass all of that. So I found the plugin on WordPress. I downloaded the app. I installed this, this new f- feature that I can accept payment on Bitcoin. So I went to Coinbase, bought some Bitcoin, I tried it out, it worked, I paid for my own course with Bitcoin I was like, yay, it worked And I saw so over, over over the moon, that I, it was so simple, I just paid for it and I got my money, it was in my hand I was like, yeah, great And then that was it, I left it, I went back to life And then about a month later, I was checking on my website to see what's happening And for some reason the money I paid was more than what I... What I paid, doesn't. It? <laughs> I was like, "What? Why is it like almost double of what I usually paid for?" I didn't understand. And then that was kind of the the beginning of my journey into Bitcoin. So it was never about money go up. I mean, that kind of brought me to the to look into it more. But for me, Bitcoin was more this avenue to escape banking. That was that was my beginning, and and it's still my mission today.
0: Yeah, all your life you're used to your money stealing from you, and then this thing was just giving you more yeah.
1: suddenly. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know. As for, as for Muslims, we always we always have an issue against banks anyway because we don't we don't want interest, and we always fight them in the banks with the interest. We try and tell them, "I don't want your interest; just give me a normal credit account with no interest." And we had to go through that whole issue. So we've always had this ongoing frustration with banks. Um, but then when Bitcoin came along, it was like, okay, there's my solution. It was it was straightforward. There was no resistance. There was no ideology to to defend it was just straightforward okay this is the way forward and then uh, that was it really
0: yeah i think if you just come at it uh, from first principles without any kind of brainwashing and baggage as a muslim it would it should click very quickly it should make a lot of sense very quickly because if you think about it objectively um, if you were just um, teleported into this planet today And all you knew was your Islamic background and you knew nothing about fiat or Bitcoin and you examined the two, it would take you very little time to recognize, well, clearly this fiat thing is very, very against everything that Islam stands for and against all of the teachings of Sharia when it comes to money, whereas this Bitcoin thing there's just no reason to object to it. I think it's uh, it's very difficult to find a problem with it. But of course, most people don't think from first principles. Most people don't think um, in this kind of objective way. Most people bring their baggage and their brainwashing and their habits. I, I think most people are um, creatures of habits when it comes to thinking about things. And so All my life, I've been using the dollars and the banks and all of these uh, fiat things. So I'm emotionally and you know religiously invested in the idea that there's nothing wrong with that because coming to terms with the fact that I've spent decades engaging in something haram uh, as a Muslim is a very tough pill to swallow. Yeah, and. When you hear first hear about Bitcoin, it has all of the uh, hallmarks of a Ponzi scheme or a scam. I mean, this is people telling you you could get rich quickly and people saying that this thing is going to go up, and people saying it's guaranteed that nobody can uh, change this or mess with it. It'll raise a lot of fl- red flags for you, but... Um, if you were to actually think it through i think um, you you would arrive at your conclusion and it's uh, it's disappointing that not enough muslims so far have seen this but uh, you and i are working to change that so i mean
1: (laughs) i i would would say looking for my years of engagement with with muslims including scholars trying to explain the situation i would say that me personally i have a, a kind of an advantage two aspects one of them well, three, I would say. One of them being that I'm not a stranger to going against the grain. I mean, I accepted Islam in the first place. That, that's the biggest thing one could do to go against the grain, as in going against your, your family, your heritage, your, your, your identity, quote-unquote. So if I've already changed that, then changing my currency is not that much more difficult. So I've already made that one step. Secondly, I'm already tech savvy, so I was already into technology in the first place. I build my own websites. I've, I actually learned how to code myself, so I, I'm already have access to technical knowledge in that respects. Anyway, and thirdly, I, I had I've always had a long-standing hatred for banks in the first place. It was, there was a reason to look elsewhere. So I think those three things come together for me, which which makes which would make it easier for me to accept it. Whereas from my experience of engaging with others, like, for example, we're speaking to some scholars who don't, who lack, for example, the technical understanding. For example, what is a blockchain? How does it actually function? What is hashing? What is it? These things, it's like, it's just, it's just, it's just nonsense to them. It's like, you just, you just give me words. I all I want to know is this. I just want to get to the point. And it, it, there is no, unfortunately, there is no, there is no quick way of learning Bitcoin, unfortunately. You have to, you have to do the whole, the whole, the, whole, the homework. And ironically, the moment you are willing, to do the homework, just the the willingness to do the homework, I think that's a big step in itself, where I think most people are just not willing to, because, I mean, this is a bit of a controversial thing, I I feel it might be a controversial view, but I think that for some people, for them to acknowledge Bitcoin is a a better option, or a good option, or the way forward even, they have to kind of acknowledge that they they missed the boat. And I think some people just don't want to admit that they... Missed that boat. I, I, am not saying this to everyone, but we all, we've, we've all, we've all heard of Bitcoin years ago when it was like one dollar, a hundred dollars, $1, a thousand dollars, and to, and to, and for some people, the, the idea to the idea of saying, well, I could have learnt back in the day, but I chose not to. If I was to now say that I was wrong, many don't want to say that. They, they, they're they invested in in, in what they're doing and, they, and they dig their heels in. I'd be like Peter Schiff. I mean, I like the guy. He's funny. Um, he 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 ticks all the boxes for a Bitcoiner, but for some reason, <laughs> he just he, he's just too invested in his gold. Because like I said, his arguments against fiat is all the same arguments we use. There's nothing that he would say that we would say any different. But he just doesn't do it. And I think for some people, it's just it's just that 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 step they don't want to make it. And I've made this case to others, and I said to people, and I, and, and I think people should consider this that with money. I kind of got the gist from your book from Bitcoin Stella when I read it. I have, I had the. You never said it in in exact words, but I'm going to say it in those exact words. Money is a is as much a belief system as religion. Not, it's not religious. I'm not saying it's religious, but I'm saying that in order to use money confidently, you actually have to believe it in your heart. It's not just something I receive and I use and I'm just happy with it. You have to have conviction. There, there is a level of conviction that is involved in that, and. You see almost the exact same stages of denial when it comes to talking about religion When you're talking to to someone who's invested into fiat The exact same arguments that they would use, the exact same behavior and mockery All the same hallmarks of someone who's trying to resist a religious debate You find the exact same hallmarks when it comes to fiat Because fiat is a belief system You actually have to believe in that system at some fundamental level so those who don't believe in it, like myself, I disbelieved in it. I made kufr to it. It was it was fine for me to, to reject it. Whereas others, they're just too too religiously invested. I think that was my little mini rant. But yeah, that's that's how I feel there's, there's there's many reasons why I it was easier for me to accept it.
0: The syllabus for my new online economics course, Principles of Economics, is now available on SafeAdeen.com. The course will take place over 18 lectures, each based on one chapter from my new book, Principles of Economics, which will be available for free as an ebook for everyone registering for the course. Lectures will be released once every two weeks on Mondays, starting on the 25th of September, 2023, and will be available in video and audio format. Live discussion seminars will be held once a week on Thursdays at alternating time slots 12 hours apart to ensure learners can attend from all over the world. I'm happy to announce that I have set up my new publishing house and online bookstore, The Safe House, which will be publishing and delivering the best Bitcoin and Austrian economics books worldwide in hardcover, audiobook, and ebook formats. With an ice colored dust jacket on top. Go to thesafehouse.com and get yours now. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think um, I would say I don't quite like the idea to say that uh, the idea of money being a belief system. And I think this is generally, um, as we say in Arabic, uh, that it 's it contains a kernel of truth, but it's used to um, it, it is used as a means toward a, a devious yeah. uh, um, unjust end, in other words, usually the people who say that money is a belief system or money is a social construct or money is a collective hallucination. They're trying to sell you on a scam coin, whether it's your government's scam coin or shitcoin or whatever it is. They're trying to tell you that it's, you know, if we all just believe hard enough in this green piece of paper, then it's money. And if we stop believing in it, then we get something like Venezuela. The problem with Venezuela is that people stop believing in it because they no longer trusted their government. That's why the government, the currency is destroyed. And these people usually don't think of the increase in the money supply. And that's a result of a century of maleducation in the universities uh, around the world, wherein, you know, economics will look into all kinds of arcane and inconsequential little topics, but never discuss the increase in the supply of money because that's the holy cow that pays their bills. Basically, if you're a fiat economist, that's where you get paid from. You get paid from inflation to justify inflation. And so there's this idea that it's all about faith. It's all about belief. And I don't like that because it's not about faith and it's not about belief. It doesn't matter how strong and how hard people believed in seashells. As soon as gold uh, coins got into the societies that used seashells, seashell holders were going to get wrecked. Uh, that's it. It that doesn't matter how hard you believe in it. You could continue, you know, all the richest people in that island could continue, and all of the people on that island could continue to say, we will only ever use seashells. And they will of result, and the result will be that they will only find themselves accumulating larger and larger quantities of seashells that are worth less and less and less over time. And the people who defect from that defective a belief system of seashells as money to thinking of gold as money end up with all the wealth on the island and the seashell people just end up with the seashells so faith has got nothing to do with it um if everybody decided and, and you know you hear this all the time that it's all a it's all a collective hallucination it's a belief system if everybody decided that they wanted to make copper into money tomorrow all that they're going to do is they're going to enrich copper miners and they're going to get themselves ruined financially. There is no way that you can make copper into money and the reasons are explained in depth in the Bitcoin standard. So just a little aside on why I don't like to use it as a uh, a religious, uh, I don't like to refer to money as a belief system, but I agree with you entirely in that people become invested in that story. And I think uh, as you mentioned, you know, with people like Schiff and so on. It's the, the the reality is this: if you if you admit that you were wrong, if you say, "All right, well, Bitcoin today is twenty seven thousand dollars," and I was wrong when I first heard about it at five dollars, or fifty dollars, or five hundred dollars, and five thousand dollars, and I was wrong, and I, sh- I should have bought back then. That is a very bitter uh, reality that you choose to live. Like you're choosing to say, I could have taken my life savings and bought, say, a thousand Bitcoins. And now instead, I'm going to take my life savings and get less than one Bitcoin or two Bitcoins or three Bitcoins. And I'm going to have to live with that realization that i was an idiot and i don't have enough bitcoin if you accept the reality that bitcoin is um it works and it doesn't uh, and it's not a scam and it's not going to zero so that's always a very ugly reality compared to the you know the, the much more favorable true the tr- reality that you could choose which is you no know, i was right at $5 i was right at $500 i was right at $5000 and I'm still right at twenty seven thousand dollars, and it's going to continue to. Um, a bit, I'm going to continue to be right no matter what happens at the price, and eventually, because one day, one they're going to wake up and they're going to find that the price is zero. So that's a very hard thing to swallow. And yeah, you're right. I think people do get uh, stuck um, in 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 it, in a can get stuck in denial and get into it in a religious manner, and it is sad to see particularly among muslims because you know the, the 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 sad thing about it is that they've normalized the use of fiat to the point where they get to the point where they defend it i mean you can you can you can maybe make a case i don't know i'm i'm, I'm curious about what you think of that uh, in in a pre bitcoin world what is your uh case for or against fiat, and what would you have done given what you know now about money, so I'm not asking you about what you did before Bitcoin because I'm assuming you know your understanding of money might have changed so r- regardless of what you did before bitcoin i'm saying, given what you know right now, if you go back into, if we get you a time machine, you go back to the year two thousand and five. Um, how would you use fiat as a Muslim? What is your take? And what would you do? Would you hold cash? Would you use a bank account? Or would you try and get around all of these things?
1: I mean, so that's, that's an interesting thing because going back a bit further than 2000, actually, going back to 1973, I think it is. I don't know what it is. It was around that time. So I was, in, as part of my, I'm trying to write a book on, on, on interest itself. And one of the issues I came across was... Um, how did Saudi Arabia specifically, and I guess Muslim countries as a whole, but how did they go from from gold or silver to fiat? We all know the narrative of America or some of the Western countries. It seems to be the same kind of thing. But how did it happen in a, in a country where fundamentally and historically they've always been on a hard money standard? How did that that flip or that switch happen? And what were the scholars at the time speaking about? So in the... Yeah, in the early times, what used to happen is that the, the hij, those who come to make Hajj to Saudi Arabia, they used to come and bring their various currencies and they'll exchange it for the Saudi currency, which was silver-based. So Saudi Arabia was on a silver-base or silver um currency, not gold. And they'll do their transactions while they're here. And when they were leaving, they'll they'll obviously they would get their currency back. And what some were doing, or quite a lot apparently, were just keeping the silver. Because obviously, again, fundamentally, Muslims all have this leaning towards gold and silver anyway It's mentioned in the Qur'an And there's, there's a historical heritage attached to gold and silver So what was happening was that essentially Saudi was being depleted of this silver <laughs> Every Hajj season there will be less and less silver available in the market So what they did is that they converted They, they made this Hajj currency so it was a currency, you could probably look it in a museum or look it online that had various different languages and numbers. So every people from different countries they could see this currency and they can transact as her judge, and then when they return back, they can get their currency back. But this currency that they received was pegged to silver. So at the time, scholars got together and they discussed what is this thing? Because we know about gold and silver, we know about all the rules and regulations about how to deal with business of gold and silver. But this piece of paper how do we do, does it does it follow all the rules and regulations of gold and silver or is it something different? The conclusion was the TLDR is that it was what they call Senate. It was basically a, um, a proxy to the silver, so it followed all the same rules and regulations as silver. Fine, but apparently it was so successful as a as a as a medium of exchange because, as you've mentioned in your book, what gold and silver fails at fiat does very well, and that's to do with the speed. Uh, and transaction and whatnot, and the divisibility, the, the, the weight, there's a lot of uh, benefits that they got from it. That if that the the locals wanted to use a similar thing, so they kind of expanded this this thing not just to Hijaj but also to the Saudis. But again, it was what it was a back in one to one or whatever the ratio to the actual silver with the banks, and you can always go to the banks and redeem it. So it was always still technically on a silver standard. Until, as, you, as the story goes of all countries, at one point they decided to depeg, And it was no longer redeemable for silver And at that point, the scholars came together again and had a discussion What is this thing now? Because we just said before that this is the same as silver But now it isn't So can it still be used as a currency? Is it still halal? So the, the, the kibar ulama, or the main scholars of Saudi Arabia at the time came together and had a a meeting and they invited the the i'm not sure if it's the main head of the central bank of saudi arabia or representative but he came in the meeting and there was another guy who was again the translator between the scholars and the central banker which is interesting if you think about it why would the central banker of saudi arabia need the translator you'd assume he knows arabic so i don't know the answer to that but for some reason the central banker of saudi arabia did not arabic so there was a translator between the two so the scholars asked them questions, what is this thing? They gave answers and then the scholars gave their ta'liq or they gave their, their commentary on what they said and they issued a fatwa. The conclusion was that it is halal to use this currency. Not everyone who attended the meeting agreed to this. Like Muhammad Ali he, he abstained from agreeing to it. Some other scholars agree, disagreed, to it. but the general gist was anything that the people agreed to use as currency is permissible to use as currency. What's interesting though, if you analyse the actual fatwa, it seems as though, I'm not, I'm not saying it happened because the unfortunate reality is what the actual central bank has said wasn't recorded. All we have recorded was the question I've asked to them and their response to, that question, to the answer. They don't actually have the, the actual response. But it seems as though what was described to them Isn't the same fiat system we know of today? I don't know what they said to them or how they described it Because I'm sure it wasn't, I'm sure they never described the whole fractional reserve banking How money is issued through interest and through debt I'm sure it wasn't described because no, no issues of debt was mentioned in the whole fatwa But it was described as a medium exchange and whatnot So that essentially became the de facto answer to fiat Globally, this, you could say this became the, the de facto fatwa for, for, for fiat And most scholars of today who accept fiat refer to this, this fatwa So from the 70s until today you could say All, well not all, most scholars or a lot of scholars If they don't know the answer or the details they refer to this one Because obviously scholars have discussed it So back to your question, what, what I have done My journey was much like many people I assumed fiat was how it was described in that fatwa we, we all assume the thing, you put your money in the bank, the banks do, do you know, they, they, may, they may issue, give that money, you give it to someone else and, and whatnot. However, they described it, it wasn't exactly how I come to learn banking to be after coming to the Bitcoin standard. So, if you said prior to Bitcoin, my assumptions of how the banks worked was totally false. So, I would have just gone along with it was jahiliya, so I would have just gone along with, with the fiat standard like everyone has done. My hatred for banking only intensified after coming to Bitcoin. Or that sounds like that, sounds like, a, that sounds like a religious statement coming to Bitcoin, but after learning about Bitcoin and going down the bank the, the the rabbit hole, when you hear about Bitcoin, it pushes you to actually ask the questions: What is money? Because we just assume money is whatever's in our hands. We don't actually know. Most people actually know what money actually is. So when you go down the bank the rabbit hole, you actually learn how the banking system works, how it functions, how interest rates work, all that kind of stuff, how that works. So prior to knowing that. I would be honest with you. I would just would just would have, just would have used the fiat had uh, and maybe use gold as a as a long term storage. For your long term savings, you have gold and silver. For your day to day using, we have fiat, and, and that would have been the end of it. But knowing how fiat works, then I don't actually have a solution because I, if you if you remove Bitcoin from the equation, I can't see a solution. But that's that's kind of why I'm so bullish on Bitcoin. And uh, and the reason I say that, and let me just, let me just caveat why I say that. Many Muslims who are gold bugs, they say to me the following. I'm sure you've heard this many times. Why don't we just issue a cryptocurrency and back it by gold? That's always the classic statement. Why don't you just issue a cryptocurrency and back it by real-world assets, which is gold? What they fail to realize is that we still have the same problem of counterparty risk. How do you maintain the peg? Yes, you have these tokens out there in the ether being used as transactions, but how do you verify that? That what you're using is exactly what's inside these vaults and that is, is backed We come to the same problem as fiat And that's kind of the, the failings of gold Gold actually led us to that journey to fiat in the first place due to its, its failings So prior to Bitcoin I would have just would have gone through the whole backing argument Use some kind of one-to-one peg currency But then we would, have, we would have at some point got to the same point we are now How do you maintain that peg? How does the people who, who have this thing I mean look just, just look at the story of Saudi Arabia They had a peg but then they depegged it because there's always that temptation to depeg it. And this is one of the questions I say to people. Okay, when Saudi Arabia or any other Muslim country depegged their currency from gold, effectively, you now have doubled your, the, the currency, the money in, in circulation. The government now has all this money at their, at their disposal, and you have your money. Before, we only had one. You can even say that the currency had was like this. The moment you depeg, you've doubled it. I mean, I don't want to say that I don't want to state the obvious, but if they've given you a promise to give you your gold and then one day they're not going to give you your gold. That's effectively a broken promise. I mean, I'm not going to accuse anyone of breaking promises, but that's effectively what you've done. I've I've given you paper and I said to you, I'll give you your car. I'll give you your watch. I'll give you what I promised to give you. When you come back, I'll give it to you. And then one day you come to collect it. I'll say, oh, well, I'm not going to give it to you anymore. That's effectively a broken promise So that whole That whole thing is just too tempting It's it's too tempting to do If you're in that position of power to make that decision So the whole idea of pegging is is Fundamentally a flawed ideology So I guess before Bitcoin I would have probably said pegging Because that's the only thing I could think of Um, But Bitcoin is is the unique Technology That doesn't require trust that's, that's that's the that is the, the the key factor. It's something that doesn't require trust in someone, and we never had that before. That's why it's so difficult for people to understand or, or accept this idea because we've always had trust throughout history of mankind. We've always had, at some level, trust. And how do you how do you now not have trust? So I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think. Um... I think the the way that I liken it is that imagine if you're a Muslim and you get um, uh, shipwrecked on an island and you look around that island and the only thing that you can eat there, the the island only has grass and pigs on it. And you can't live off of grass, but you can survive off of pigs. I think, um, you know, I I think no matter how devout you are, you would um, hunt a pig and uh, slaughter it and eat it rather than die.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think
0: uh, I, I can understand why fiat, well, why Muslims would use fiat in this world. I, you know, individuals. It's less understandable if you are a government, perhaps, or although you know they have their own risk calculation, uh, which. Perhaps might make it understandable if we knew the kind of pressure they come along uh, they come under, but in any case, I could see it as justifiable to use fiat in that case, but I think the interesting thing here is now that we 've got an entire generation of uh, Muslims who grew up on this island eating nothing but pork, and now, when we 've managed to get to, fo- to get beef on the island now that we have cows on the island, um, they are looking at this cow and they 're saying, "Well, what is this weird animal?" <laughs> We don't want to eat it. We want to stick to the tried and tested halal pork that the sheikh told us is halal years ago because it's the only... uh, But, you know, if somebody told you it was halal, it was understandable perhaps because in the context of it being the only meat on the island, then yeah, you could eat it. But now you've got healthy, wholesome halal beef and therefore you have no excuses for pork. I think this is the point that needs to be driven home for Muslims. But... um, Perhaps we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Tell us your view on why fiat is haram. What is wrong with fiat from the Islamic perspective?
1: From an Islamic perspective, it fundamentally comes down to, I mean, I would say, if... So this this comes back to the fatwa I mentioned earlier on. If it were the case that a government was to issue fiat notes, whatever the case may be, yeah? And people were to use this currency as it is, as it was issued... And the money supply was fixed, it wasn't something that was dependent on interest It wasn't something that, was something that could be printed or connected to riba in the first place Then it's possible that it could be used as a medium of exchange Because like the, the, the fatwa that the scholars used, they, they connected it back to um, the, statement, the statement of Imam, ah, Imam Malik Where he was asked about um, currency or not And he said if the people were to agree to use uh, donkey hide or cow hide as a medium of exchange then, then so be it and that's kind of what, um, what um, Talik mentioned when, he, when you had the interview with him He mentioned that similar thing So if we were to agree to use this thing uh, as a medium of exchange then so be it And so fundamentally the idea of having pieces of paper to exchange which is fiat I don't fundamentally uh, have an issue with it like that Besides the fact that it costs nothing to make I mean that is a big issue for me because then you have the issue of the tank- canteen effect. I mean, who, who has the right to print this thing? And what, what, under what circumstances do they have to print it? With gold, And even, even with donkey hide or cow hide, you still have to go out and, and make the thing or actually get the thing. There's still some kind of work attached to it. But with fiat, if it's just a computer thing, you can just issue it. That's why I made the caveat that if they made a one-off decision, they said, okay, old people... We need this fiat now to transact. We've got no. We can't use gold anymore. So we're going to make a one-time issuance of fiat, and that'll be it. Fair enough. I can I can imagine that being somewhat feasible. Um, but the problem with fiat is that it's intrinsically attached. Its issuance, its creation, and its destruction to riba. It's this fundamental usury. It's this fundamental property of of attaching to interest, which makes it all that more. Distasteful, and a lot more reason. It's actually more than just pork, <laughs> because if you look at the Islamic text, um, and it talks about sins, it is mentioned the mu'biqat or the, the destructive sins. It's actually interesting because um, if you look at the seven deadly sins in Christianity, most of them are attached to um, internal things like lust and and sloth and these kind of feelings or things related to the internal. Whereas in Islam, what, what the mu'biqat, the seven or the seven deadly sins, they actually attached to actions. And that's te- technically how Islam views sins Islam doesn't pe- penalise you or punish you For your thoughts in your head if, As long as it remains in your head And you don't act upon it Then you can, you're can forgiven Because obviously you chose not to act upon it But the moment you act upon it The moment you manifest that, that sinful thought into reality Then you're held accountable And of those seven deadly sins Not one of them was pork But it was interest <laughs> So we, if you if you look at it, it, interest is even worse. The analogy you gave was a perfect analogy. Now, on the desert island, you're eating pork. That's bad enough in its own. And most Muslims understand the prohibition of pork. But for some reason, we seem to be so complacent, accepting of what is far worse and far more um, destructive and, and harmful and, and prohibited, which is interest. And there's been, so, there's been so many texts that have been revealed about the punishment, the specific punishment of the one who takes. And gives our interest on Day of Judgment. To have this intrinsically woven within the fabric of fiat makes it something which why Muslims have to actively find a way to get out of it. So that's why I'm so grateful that um, Allah granted us with the with Bitcoin, because up until Bitcoin, we didn't feasibly have an option. Yes, you could have said gold, but gold isn't feasible. You can't do international trade with gold. You can't do online commerce with gold. You can't really use gold unless you involve a third party, which brings back to the same issue of counterparty risk. You don't really have an alternative, whereas Bitcoin gave us an alternative. So fundamentally, yes, it it comes down to, I would say that that if I was to summarize, the the fact that that, that, uh, fiat is issued, is created and destroyed via interest. That's the first thing. And the second issue I have with fiat is the, the fact that its issuance costs nothing. So therefore, what right do you have to have that money? Generally speaking in Islam, when it comes to transactions, financial transactions, one of the fundamental underlying principles of all transactions is hukuk. What rights do you have to give and take something? So if you have fiat, essentially you're, you are giving yourself the right to have money for what reason? What gives you the right to have this money? To go to the computer and you type in what? What gives you the, re- the reason? If I have gold, the right that I have to have the, the right I have to own that gold is that I went to the mountain, I exerted effort, I invested time, and I, I mined the gold. I refined the gold. That effort we could say justifies the fact that I own that gold. You can't say that for fiat. There's, there's nothing that that justifies owning fiat. So those two things I would say are the the two main premises. Um, attached to it There's a third one Which I've heard some say They say that The issuance Of fiat Is riba I don't agree with that Because I don't see how How that's riba Riba is um, Based on a loan The issuance of Just the issue of I'm talking about the printing of money I'm talking about the printing of money Through loans I'm just saying just the, just the M1 you could say Printing of money Which is most most likely Not, not the money that people have But I don't think that's necessarily riba But just yeah The first two I I'll say is the, is the two main Objections to, Attached to to Fiat
0: I'm going to probably try. I'm going to probably disagree with you here, if you'll allow me. Now, I'm no religious scholar, but I'm going to take a stab at uh, offering you an alternative perspective here. So, I think the 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 key problem I have with your explanation is that the vast majority of fiat money is not paper. Paper only constitutes about five percent, maybe ten percent maximum of the money supply. So, if you look at how many dollars there are, whatever measure of dollars you use physical dollars um, dollar bills are a tiny fraction of it so i agree with you I, I, i agree with the idea that in islam there's no fixed um that there's no direct stipulation that gold and silver have to be money that people can use anything as money. And at the end of the day, it's sort of inevitable that you would have something like this because, I mean, you can exchange, you can barter things. And so therefore, you can use anything for barter. And if you can use anything for barter, then you can use anything as money. So yeah, you could use a piece of paper as money if you choose to. But I think the issue is that with fiat, you got to think of the paper fiat money as being similar to an open dime. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Good opportunity to plug our sponsors, CoinKite, <laughs> who make the open dime, uh, which is a great idea. It's, it's a tiny little USB drive where you can have a Bitcoin stored on it, and it has the physical, uh, it it has the private key stored on it in a manner that is tamper proof. So you know if, if the open dime has not been opened, then uh, the the it it lights up green, and you know that private key on it has not been seen by anybody. But if you tamper with it, you break it, then you can see that the you know that somebody could have accessed the private key. So in a sense, an, 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 uh, an open dime that has not been opened is a physical representation of a Bitcoin. Yes. It's not how Bitcoin comes into existence. So the Bitcoin comes into existence through the process of mining. And then Rodolfo at, at CoinKite makes that open dime and then you can load it with the Bitcoin on it. And now you have physical Bitcoin that's stored there for which there is no private key anywhere. So effectively, it's an offline Bitcoin. It's a physical Bitcoin. I think that's an excellent way of understanding how fiat paper money comes into existence. The actual money comes into existence through the process of fiat mining, which I describe in detail in the fiat standard, which is through the creation of debt. There's always debt creation that is involved in the creation of the dollars. And then the Treasury will print some of these. So the Treasury, the Treasury is their version of Rodolfo basically, uh, Novak, uh CoinKite. They take some of the dollars that already exist, you know, mm-hmm. the bank that has the money, and they give them some of that money in dollars. So the way in which the dollars actually come into existence is not through the printing. The printing just brings some of the already existing dollars into physical form. But the way that the dollars come into existence is through the creation of loans. And I think there's, in in the U.S. at least, there's no alternative way of doing it. And in, 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 for instance, I think in Lebanon, when they had hyperinflation in Zimbabwe and Venezuela, you do have money creation that... Could arguably be called halal in that they just run the money printer and they make a ton of money and then they start paying government employees. And when you do that, of course, uh, it it may be halal, but it destroys the value of the currency because it's just uh, you're increasing the supply drastically and then you get hyperinflation when that happens. But that's not how euros and dollars and all these uh, relatively um, okay uh, national fiat currencies uh, are brought into existence. So the way that these come into existence is the banks make a loan, and so when you go to take out a mortgage from a bank, say you want to buy a house for a million dollars, you go to the bank, you ask them to give you a loan for a million dollars. They do not take the million dollars from their own capital and give them to you to buy your house, and they do not take a million dollars from their depositors and take the money and give it to you so that you could buy the house, they make those $1 million. Those $1 million are created in order to make the loan for you. And so that's the only way that uh, dollars come into existence. It could be the bank or it could be the Federal Reserve buying treasury bonds. Which are treasury bonds are also a RIBA contract because it's, it's a loan. A, a treasury bond is a loan. You, you, you give them the, uh, thousand dollars for the bond and then they promise to be paying you a certain coupon over time. And, and in both cases, there's an interest, there's interest involved and in both cases, it's users. So. I don't see how you could say that fiat money is not RIBA at the base layer level. I think if you, and then that's, I think the, you know, the founding concept on which I built the entire book of the fiat standard is just the realization that you mine fiat by issuing debt. I think this is really the, uh, like, I remember when I was beginning to think about writing that book. Beginning to formulate the ideas for the fiat standard. And then I started drawing analogies with Bitcoin and thought to myself, well, how do you mine fiat? And when it hit me that mining fiat is debt creation, everything fell into place. The entire fiat system began to make sense. Once you see it through that lens, it's such a powerful um, moment of clarity because that's why everything in the world is. Based around debt. That's why everything has debt in it. That's why everything is, yeah. And, and and it makes a lot of sense because that's how you mine it. And there's no difficulty adjustment. And so we're always mining more and more. And so I don't think you could separate um, fiat money in its current form from uh, Riba except in the case of hyperinflation, when you just print large quantities of money in order to hand it over to people. So therefore, for me, I think that's, the, uh, that, that's, that's why I would say it, it's, uh, it's, it's at the protocol level, Haram.
1: Well, I mean, I 100% agree with you on that one. And uh, that's actually why I've, I decided to myself um, live the, the, the ideology that I, I try to teach. So since 2020... I've decided to live 100% on, on, on Bitcoin. So any fiat I receive from wages or anything like that, I immediately dump it into Bitcoin and I, I just found a way to spend Bitcoin directly. Now, I'm not saying that I have zero balance in my bank balance, but it's near zero almost, almost, almost all the time. It's literally about £10, £20, maybe £30 in, inside there. Or for those who in in, in in America, that's like a couple of... Uh, it's not more than $50. And that's just for any kind of... Payments that come out that I don't want to be in overdraft. But literally, I believe fundamentally that I want to exit the fiat system because I don't want to be that one who's eating pork when I don't need to. Like you said, why eat pork when there's no need to eat pork? Um, the only challenge I have is that everyone around me still wants to serve pork. <laughs> that's, the, that's the challenge. But when people always say to me, oh yeah, but how can you live on Bitcoin? It's possible to live on Bitcoin. I always say to them, look, I've been doing it for the last three years. I travel with Bitcoin. I buy I, I buy airfl- air- airplane tickets with Bitcoin. I I, buy, I pay pay my rent in Bitcoin. I I pay my utility bills in Bitcoin. I, I I I, spend, entirely on Bitcoin. Now, there is a caveat to that. Obviously, they don't receive Bitcoin. There is that there is that 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 conversion through whichever Bitcoin debit card I use or whichever gift card I have to purchase. To, I have to spend. There is that. But the way I I. The way I, I, um, I, I view that Is that that's, that's their decision That's not my decision I choose not to be in that system But they choose to stay in that way So if the only way to interact with them Is by giving them what they want Then that's, the, that's, that's part of their process not, That's not part of my process where I live. If someone wants to accept Bitcoin I give them Bitcoin But I think as Muslims Unless you make the conscious effort To say look I want to exit the system even if I receive a two percent or four percent hit on Bitcoin in, in the market. So be it. That's the cost of trying to live halal. It's just like, for example, yeah, there's pork right here. Maybe to eat that halal beef after travel an hour down the road. That's the cost of eating halal. It is what it is. I mean I can't I mean, as Muslims, you have to recognize that this whole world that we live in is a test. We're not here to, to live a nice life and, and be, be all co- comfy. I mean, yeah, you can do that, by all means. But we're here to be tested. And I think most people to rec- most people have to recognize that one of the biggest tests you'll face is, is in your wealth, your, your, your income, your money. That's usually where the test comes. I mean, how many, how many Muslims are tested with just about 2.5% of zakah? They don't want to give that. So it's, I'm, I'm prepared, and I think Muslims should be prepared, to try their best at all cost. To live outside the system, Even if it means you know, maybe if you, want, if you want to go by the gold standard, do that. But try your best to exit the system as much as, as, much as possible. Because as long as you're in it, you're feeding it. And I just don't think that you, you, we should we should feed the feed the beast, as they, as, as they say. That's that's, all, that's yeah. all, I think we should try our best.
0: Yeah. So, what do you think of this idea? Well, we've had this discussion briefly on uh, Twitter before, which is. Ultimately, you can't really escape the system. You, even if you're holding the ten dollars or twenty dollars in your bank account, you are feeding the system. And the more you hold the dollars, you're allowing them. You're allowing the system to basically devalue your dollars in order to create more usurious loans and to give out more loans. So, I mean, if if, if you're if you're already holding the dollars and if they're already getting devalued anyway, so you are part of it. What do you what do you say to the idea that you might as well just um, Fight it from within if you're stuck on the island and forced to be eating the pork. Why not try and use that in order to bring about cows? You know, why not trade pork, trade the pigs in order to um, be able to build a boat that allows you to go to another island and import cows? In other words, why not take out a loan in uh, fiat and uh, use that to buy Bitcoin? And then over time, You would accumulate more and more Bitcoin and you would help create more and more fiat, which leads to the devaluation of fiat and to the appreciation of Bitcoin, effectively performing a speculative attack on the fiat, which is, you know, essentially that's what George Soros did to the British pound in 1991, I think it was when he destroyed, uh, when he brought down the value of the pound. That's what anybody does if you're able to borrow fiat and you buy Bitcoin with it in the long run, the Bitcoin appreciates and so you end up uh, better off. Could you make the Islamic case for this? Or do you think that's- Yeah, I remember when not- I
1: mean, Michael Saylor mentioned that to you in the, in the, in the interview, and um, it was that interview was very eye-opening in terms of how the rich how the rich maintain their riches in the system How they game the system for their own benefit And it it kind of opens up and explains a lot of things That I used to wonder to myself I used to wonder to myself Why does Apple With like almost a balance A, a float of like a, a trillion dollars Still take out loans to do, to do X, Y and Z Why do these companies still take out loans Although they have the money to do pay themselves? In my mind it never, it never made sense to me Until when Michael said explained it to me I was like ah That's actually the game The game is that Essentially, the way I see the game is, fiat are for the for the for the plebs, for the for the for the lowly people, for the for the commoners. We we think that money having a million pounds, five million pounds, that makes you rich. Whereas the rich man actually is, he's learnt the game a long time ago. The pounds is nothing; it's the assets that make that makes something. It's the houses, it's the it's the the, art, the fine art that we we mock them for. It's these other things that actually holds their value and actually grows their wealth, not the fiat. Um, it's, it's, it's only when you're, we're, we're poor like us, <laughs> we think, okay, the fiat is, is is what you want to have. But, Islamically speaking, there's two things to say about that. Number one is that the speculative attack on fiat, the reason I won't agree with that is that essentially you'll be taking part in the harm of others. So, essentially, inflation is. Uh, every time I say to people, I'll say to people sometimes that one of the down one of the, the the problems of taking out these loans from the bank is that you effectively are causing inflation you effectively by your actions even if it's minute on a, on an individual level very minute but at some level you are harming the collective and one of the main premises of islamic economics is not to harm the collective is that we do things for the benefit of the collective so The idea, imagine I had, imagine I was, what's his name? George, George Soros. Imagine I was him in his shoes. I could never do what he did because effectively, I benefited from other people's losses directly. It's not like a trade where that's why in Islam, when we do a trade, a business trade, I give you something and you give me something and the premise is that we are both benefiting from the trade. Effectively, what he did is that he benefited from the trade and others lost out big time. The pension companies All these people Who who invested heavily In the pound They're the ones Who actually lost out In the trade And they never had, had Had any decision In the trade It was Something that was Imposed upon them So fundamentally Every time a person Takes out a loan From an Islamic perspective You are contributing To the harm The collective harm Of the others Now The fun, the flip side of that, unfortunately, is that the harm is coming anyway. (laughs) That's the, that's what you're saying. The harm, you're saying that the, the, the end game of fiat anyway is down. There is, there is no. And,
0: and, and you're, and you're participating in it even with your $20 in your bank account that you need to use for your business.
1: So so at at every level, it's happening anyway. So the only way, my, my only counter to that counter is that fair enough. I get that. But fundamentally, from an from Islam perspective We try our best to minimise as much as possible So There's a principle that If you have two evils Yeah If you have two evils That you have that, uh, Two choices You have to choose one of them There's no option There's either this one or that one It's an obligation from Islam To choose the lesser of two evils So my $20 Just, just so that I don't go into Overdrawn Because I have to have it Because at some point I have to pay. Someone might my, want my, my, my payment. That's lesser evil than taking out a loan on the house, which is causing a larger uh, damage to the overall collective than the ten pounds. So if I have a, if I have to do one of the two, I would do that. If I could close down all bank accounts entirely, and just go totally off the grid, I would do that. It's just that at this stage in my life, I actually just cannot do that. I mean, there is there, there is no way I can actually do that. I have rent. Not rent, I mean I actually pay my I, I, Every avenue I can pay something with a debit card I use Bitcoin But there are just some things I just have to pay For a direct bank transfer Like the other day I booked a hotel uh, I booked an apartment For, well I did the Umran Booked an apartment And the guy refused to take debit card And refused to take cash oh, he, oh, he Actually he, he, he would take cash But I didn't have cash he said I have to do bank transfers. So I had no choice So for those moments where I have to do a bank transfer That's what that float is And, and, and even in, even with that I tend to do is I tend to just sell some Bitcoin And then when I sell it, I transfer it and that's it So I literally go to spot, sell it Transfer to my, transfer to my bank account and then send it out But back to your question um, The first thing is that I would disagree with that Because you're effectively taking part in what's already happening But you're actually contributing to it So yeah, If it's happening Fine, but don't just make it worse by um, doing it So it's, it's, almost like, it's almost like saying, imagine someone is, is dying They're dying anyway I mean just give you five minutes, they're dead And you go there and you, and you keep on giving them extra punches just, you, don't, you, don't, you don't do that You just, you know I don't, I don't join in, in the fun that, that is what it is And secondly, if we're going to battle a system You don't battle it with haram So yes, riba is evil I don't like but I, I don't like the whole system, the whole the IMF, the World Bank, all this stuff, I hate all of it But I'm not going to play their game to fight them I want to fight them with halal And that's why I believe that fundamentally, and this is what I'm trying to do myself now Fundamentally, if Muslims take this approach of, of working against the grain Forcing the hand, their own hand, to live in Bitcoin That forces them to now find avenues uh, and solutions if you just go by the normal riba system and you fight it that way you become complacent that you don't actually find alternatives you don't actually find ways to do things in a halal way for example everyone always asks me how can i buy a house without interest well maybe the reason i don't have an answer is because i was never put in a position or we as a collective weren't really forced hard enough to find a solution because we have islamic finance and these other islamic alternatives or because we have fatwa saying, oh, you can take a mortgage for one house, because we have these alternatives, we just don't bother looking anymore. And you say, okay, this sheikh said it's halal, so I'll just do that anyway and my life is easy, done. Whereas I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if there's a collective consensus of all the scholars, fiat is haram, mortgage is haram, under all circumstances, no one could do any commerce unless it's with halal. But I, but I guarantee you, by the end of this year, you have solutions. It's because we don't have them Because we're not forced We don't do that So that's 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 the two reasons Why I wouldn't agree with that Even then Because number one It stops you from trying And number two You don't You take the of two evils You take the less As much as possible of, of, of two evils And that includes By the way For those who are listening That includes Renting Rather than a mortgage People say Oh I don't want to rent I don't want to rent What's wrong with renting It's not haram Renting is perfectly halal How can you say I don't want to do the halal which is renting but I want to do the haram which is mortgage because of some narrative that you must have a house No! Allah has given you an alternative which is rent Yeah, maybe you might pay more on the long run but at least it's halal Remember we don't work for this dunya we don't work for this life we work for the hereafter I want to work in my life that when I die my book is clean I have no sins in there that is going to put me into hellfire Why would I want to put on that book record a massive stamp of mortgage And then stand on the day of judgement Oh Allah I had to because my Everyone around me has got a house and my, my friends have a house My auntie has a house I wanted a house That's not an excuse You have, a, you have an alternative So the less of two evils is to rent And maybe you save your money you have And then try as much as you can oh, Or alternatively buy Bitcoin <laughs> And BCA and yeah. Bitcoin Until you buy a house
0: Yeah, I mean, all of these are moot questions now that we have Bitcoin, because uh, it is the way out. It really is. But I guess now with Bitcoin, if I were to make the counter argument, I I have to say, I agree with you. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Mm -hmm. Quite literally the devil's advocate, perhaps. (laughs) Uh, but I think if I were to make the case, the devil's case here, I'd say, uh, well, maybe perhaps not so much the devil. I'd see, I'd, I'd say the vigilante case here is that okay, you're well, you're doing haram anyway, but at least by taking out a loan, you are helping bring the system down. Perhaps that would be the case, but but no, I, I still agree with you because I think um, you know these things are not haram just because God is choosing to give us. Uh, Hardships. It's it's not arbitrarily haram. Of course, there are risks involved. You know, taking out a mortgage is not a walk in the park. Taking out a mortgage means every month. You need to be sure that you can make the payment and you have to live under the stress for 30 years and you could end up losing your house after having made 15 years of payments or 20 years of payments. Yeah, yeah. It's not a it's not a picnic. It, it is a very difficult thing to do. But yes, I think ultimately with Bitcoin, all of these questions become moot because yeah, with Bitcoin, you have the answer. You don't need to, uh, you, you know, you can rent and just keep stacking sats and then you'll be able to afford a house. The difficult thing is that without Bitcoin. And this is really when when you understand how the system works, and I didn't understand it this much until I really wrote the Fiat standard and quite got very well um internalized the idea that Bitcoin is fiat mining. The travesty of fiat for Muslims is that effectively it's a tax on you being a Muslim Fiat is a tax on being a Muslim because fiat is forcing everybody who holds money and doesn't get into debt to subsidize everybody who does. And so the rational strategy there is to take out debt because if you're not taking out debt and if you're saving, you are still participating in riba because you're holding the money that was created when the other people got into riba. But the difference is that they got a house out of it. You're just paying for the house. So you're paying for the house and your savings are... Um, depreciating over time. So if you're trying to save money in the bank account in order to buy a house and saying, I'm not going to get into Riba, you're running on a treadmill because the house just (laughs) keeps getting further away from you because the price of the house keeps going up and the value of your money keeps going down. And the people who got in at the mortgage managed to get the house at a very low price. So, you know, if if I choose to do the halal thing, whereas you choose to take out the mortgage. You know, you buy the house today, I buy the house, I'm hoping to buy the house at 10 years from now. 10 years from now, the money that I'm saving today is going to have depreciated significantly. Whereas the money, well, and, and so I'm putting it as savings and it's depreciating and 10 years from now, the value of the house is going to go up. Whereas on your case, you know, the money that you paid today is already cleared up a part of your mortgage payment. So it, it it is effectively a tax on you being a Muslim. And there are no easy solutions without Bitcoin. And that's why I think it's it's really imperative for Muslims to start paying attention on, to Bitcoin yes. because yeah. it's your only way out of this. If you don't uh, use Bitcoin, you are really going to uh, continue to run on this treadmill and not understand why is it that everybody who is in haram, and who is in the mortgage, who's taking out loans, is able to afford a house, whereas it is incredibly hard for me to do it.
1: I mean, just to, just to, just to reinforce what you're saying. So, if you can imagine, back to the issue of the of the house, it was an excellent tweet that I saw of a guy who decided to DCA Bitcoin five hundred dollars a month since two thousand seventeen, and up until August, because when I saw it, he had he had accumulated about four point three Bitcoin. That's amazing. If you think about it, five hundred dollars a month since two thousand seventeen. I think it was sixteen or seventeen, and he's acquired for Bitcoin. So that's in a space of five years for Bitcoin. Guaranteed in the next probably three to four years, that's enough to buy a house. So there, like you said, there actually isn't an alternative. There isn't really an alternative to escape this treadmill if you if you if you if you're adamant in holding and hodling Bitcoin, uh, uh, fiat. Fiat is just a, it's a, it's an ongoing tax. Whoever wants to hold it is suffering the, the loss of value, the constant loss of value, and you're guessing you're subsidizing those who have taken advantage of the loan. The only way out of it is to exit a system and you find that Bitcoin allows you to do the opposite. I mean, you, a case could be made loosely that maybe with gold you can technically do a similar thing, but the, um, in terms of, um, I, guess, uh, I guess, acquiring a home or whatnot, or, or increasing your value, you don 't have that same kind of premium that you hope that you do with bitcoin, and maybe that won't that won't won't remain with bitcoin maybe there will come a point when bitcoin the increase in value would 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 plateau who knows but um definitely in in the long run there isn't really an option for a Muslim to save really if he outside of bitcoin that I can see um I mean some might use other um shit coins but I don't necessarily, I don't advocate for that. For that. I think it'll be probably as worse as, it's pretty much the same as, as fiat.
0: Yeah, I think um, I'm just running the numbers now uh, in the background. I'm looking at uh, what you could have uh, achieved if you started uh, DCAing Bitcoin in 2016. So you were buying $500 of Bitcoin in October, 2016. Until today, that's seven years of $500 a month. Today, You would have spent $42,500, but you would have $224,800. So that's 8.2 Bitcoin. Yes, the return on investment is 428.96%. Now, let's try and do the same thing with the S&P 500. And that's uh, that's done relatively pretty well. Uh, Let's see. Monthly investment, $500. All right, so now I've done the numbers for the S&P 500 as well. And if you had, uh, yeah, you would have invested $42,000 as well, and you would have a grand total of dollars $56,084. $56, so $56,000 if you had invested in the S&P 500, which has done relatively well during that period, versus $224,000 if you had invested in Bitcoin over that period. And if you just held on to your dollars, you'd only have 42. And if you bought gold, I don't quite know what it is, but it's going to be closer to 42 than the 56 of the S&P 500 and definitely nowhere near the uh, uh, return on uh, Bitcoin. So. This is really, I think, the the, the key to, thing to understand. The only way for you to beat the fiat inflation, which is at the heart of the usury that uh, you want to stay away from as a Muslim, is Bitcoin. That's the only way that you can get ahead. Uh, $42,000 can be converted into $224,000 by um, just stacking. So definitely, definitely a case to be made there. So... Um, so now you've told us why you think fiat is haram But now why do you think uh, Bitcoin is halal? What is your halal case for Bitcoin?
1: So, I mean, the basic premise The, the easiest answer to that question Would be the principle that uh, الهل, The general rule of everything is that it is halal Bitcoin, by default, is halal And the case needs to be made from, from an Islamic perspective That it is haram this is why I always try to, to, to get this across to people when I explain to them Bitcoin. I said, look, they, they say to me, well, what's your, how do you know it's halal? What's your evidence that it's halal? And I say, that's not how it works in Islam. Islam is not a religion whereby everything is forbidden unless you have these rules of some things that are halal. No, everything is permissible in this world by default. I don't have to ask, I don't have to make any special case why it's halal. It's halal by default, it's permissible by default. The case needs to be made that it's haram. That includes fiat, by the way. So I mean I can even say that same thing to fiat, because if fiat is by default halal. Why not? Why can't I use fiat? And then you would say, well, because it's it's interest. And then you say, okay, there you go, you made your point. You've you've justified why fiat is is haram. So likewise, apply that same rule to Bitcoin. What is Bitcoin? It's a ledger recording numbers that can be used for exchange. Can I u- can I can I receive that in my wallet? Is it halal? Yes it is. Because there's nothing to say I can't. Why can't I receive this Bitcoin Why can't I send That Bitcoin Why can't I have that And only what, What's wrong with that There's nothing wrong That says that it's haram Number one So that's the case to, That's just a baseline case To say It's allowed But to go A step further And to say Why it's necessary <laughs> That would be the, that would be To say that Bitcoin in, Engulfs The properties That makes gold Useful For us But goes a step further By removing the properties Of that, that gold or make, That makes gold Difficult to use so we have this ability to transact through, through, through space instantly with Bitcoin which you don't have with gold um, You remove the issue of weight, tr- storage, you remove that whole thing I mean, I mean, as you know, Muslims have a long history of memorization We memorize the Quran, we memorize hadith, Islamic texts We have a long-standing history for centuries of memorizing things What better solution to have a currency that you just memorize 12 words and you can carry that around with you everywhere you are Imagine. A whole nation of Muslims who not, not only they memorize Fatiha, but they memorize 12 words that carry around with them their money. That's it. That's all they need to do is carry around those, those 12 words. So after every salah, when they do their, 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 their adhkar, do their, their dhikr, their remembrance of Allah, they can just revise their 12 words, and that's it, every day. You, you're you're, you're, you're carrying, around, carrying around with you, your currency. So therefore, you've gained the benefit of gold, And removed all the issues attached to gold So that's the first case And the second case Like we just mentioned over and over again It's the only real solution To our fiat problem Which is definitely a problem Every single Muslim country Has at some level Been harmed Seriously harmed by fiat I mean just look at Turkey Just look at Lebanon Look at Iraq, look at Iran, almost every single Muslim country. I mean, just look at Afghanistan. They had $4 billion of their currency just held by the American government for no real valid explanation because they don't like their, their government or their, their policy. They just held it. So what we're already seeing in this day and age, Muslim nations, states, governments, people are harmed on a daily basis by fiat. So why are we, why are we as a collective still holding on to this thing? It's almost like a, like a, an abused wife, where you say to her, "Look, you know you can, you can get talaq you can get divorced." No, 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 no. I'm happy with the beating. Every day, I'll just take it because I see no other solution. No, there are other solutions. There are other solutions out there. So, yeah. So back to the point. Bitcoin as a base layer, it's halal, but to add to that, it's a solution out of fiat. Now. One could say, okay, if there was another currency that did the exact same thing as Bitcoin, but it's not Bitcoin, what would you say about that? I'll say if it, if it has all the properties of Bitcoin, then why not? I mean, there's nothing intrinsically about the code of Bitcoin that makes it special, but there's things there's, there are properties attached to Bitcoin that makes Bitcoin special. So, like I said, you can go, you can go to GitHub. Clone the repository and launch your own Safer Dean coin or your own Tucker coin and you'll be an exact clone of Bitcoin But it's not Bitcoin because there's more to Bitcoin than just the actual code There's the consensus that has built around it, there's the miners, there's the infrastructure, there's so much things attached to Bitcoin that you can't actually, well not feasibly, replicate that If you could so be it that coin and bitcoin and whatever, whichever one possible. i'm not saying bitcoin is sent from the heavens it's not like like that, but bitcoin does have properties that number one are unique to bitcoin, and number two, I would argue it's almost impossible to do again you can't do it again you can't redo a bitcoin the history of bitcoin is is so unique you can't you can't replicate that at all it's just not it's not possible so rather than Try to reinvent the wheel and fail, like so many have tried, to, so many have done, and are still trying to do with all these CBDCs. Who try to reinvent the Bitcoin and do our own blockchain, rather than try and reinvent the wheel and fail it anyway. Adopt what's already here, get behind it, and allow yourself to benefit from its from its infrastructure. I mean, look at El Salvador's doing. Therefore, they've seen the future and they're getting behind it, and it's benefiting them. So I reckon Muslim countries should try their best right now to get behind it. Before it's too late Because like I said Once the game theory Starts kicking in And other countries start Already start mining Which is already happening Nation states are already Mining bitcoin I think if Most of nations Get behind it They can now Release themselves From the current system that They are in And be in a more Fairer system And uh, that would be The last point I mentioned The issue of fairness One property about gold Which is very important And that is This intrinsic Fairness, fairness about it There's nothing about gold which means by default you had privilege. Whereas fiat, there is privilege attached to it. Likewise, the Bitcoin, which is even more so, there is no privilege attached to any holder of Bitcoin. You may hold millions of Bitcoin, but that doesn't doesn't give you any privilege over the network. And that is a property which is necessary right now. A currency that no one has control over. It's just there. You use it, you benefit benefit from it. If you don't want to use it, you're only harming yourself. So fair enough. We need that non-biased, non-censorable, decentralized network that we all use. In fairness, that's why I don't even advocate for a Muslim coin or an Islamic Islamic coin. It's a stupid. Why have an Islamic coin? We need a coin that is that is is open for the humanity. Anyone can use it. That's that's what makes it fair. That's what makes it useful. No one's gonna transact with an Islamic Islamic coin. Well or actually, some may, some may be stupid enough to use the Islamic coin. But, but you need a coin that is nothing. It's just, it's just, it's just there. It has no political agenda. It has no ideology. It has no leaning. It's not left. It's not right. It's just there. Use it. That's that's what gold is. Gold is just there.
0: Yeah, no, I agree entirely. Now, what about uh, other currencies, other digital currencies, or I shouldn't say other digital currencies. I should say, what about cryptocurrencies? Uh, What about things other than Bitcoin? What is your uh, Islamic opinion of them?
1: So my Islamic opinion on them has developed somewhat from when I was from 2017. So, like I said, when I heard about Bitcoin, I had no idea there were other coins. Be realistic i only found out there were other coins when i downloaded the app and i was trying to install it on my website and when i tried to click bitcoin there was there was this list of other coins there was feather coin and then there was another light coin and other coins i I had no idea what they were so i just kind of ignored them i I didn't know what it was i ignored them and then as i went down the rabbit hole i discovered there was Ethereum and there's other coins these other coins and then as you normally do you think, oh, wait, you kind of build it, buy into the narratives. Oh, this coin you can do this with it, this coin you can do that with it. And it sounded interesting to me um, as an idea. I was never really pushing the idea of that these coins could be a currency because, as a currency, Bitcoin is Bitcoin. But these other coins, they gave these narratives that you could do this with it, you could do decentralized internet, and you can have decentralized this and that and the other. It, sound, it sounded interesting to me at the time. But as I started to learn more about Bitcoin and through experience, you realize that those ideas they had, even if they were interesting, even if they were good ideas, you don't need to issue a new coin for it. And it kind of revealed the secret that that that, that they're just basically scams. They're only issuing the coin so they can kind of get around the securities thing or get, they can get basically, can get, they can get a, a cash Injection into their ideas and then they can develop the ideas some, are, some have good ideas and some actually want to do these good ideas You know, some are, some are genuine And maybe this is an idea to get these coins out there And it can fund development Maybe some of the innocent, I'm not going to say all of them were actual scams Trying to rob you But the incentives always tend to turn out that way You've, you've now got 1, 10, 50 million dollars worth of these coins from, from selling on the market what incentive do you have to actually fulfill your your, your promise? You promised to deliver a decentralized internet through your system and your tokens. You've sold your tokens, you've got the money now. I mean, what's pushing me now to do the job? And that's the problem. So, that, I, there was even actually there was this one token, I'm not gonna mention the name. They had a really good idea. It was, Again, I mentioned it was decentralized internet. The idea was that you have these nodes, you can run a, your own program, you can essentially you can share your bandwidth and get paid for the use of your bandwidth. It's like a Tor, basically. The time they want to repl- replicate Tor, but rather than Tor being a voluntary thing, you can get paid for it. Sounds like, sounds, like, sounds like a good idea, innit? So I said to the guys, look, I looked at your thing, it looks quite good, I like the idea, but why not just use Bitcoin? <laughs> And um, you can imagine that when I mentioned that the room went quiet because, <laughs> because how would you fund your activity then? I mean the, the, it was quickly shut down as an idea and at that point I kind of realised what is really the goal here? Because your idea is a good idea, you've got the code base, you, you, you kind of, you've already produced like a, a, a beta model of your thing. So why not just use lightning? I mean it's even better, why, how, how does it even make sense to run a decentralized network? Using an Ethereum token Just to use a network You have to buy ETH Just to use your token It makes no sense Just use Lightning lightning is, lightning is lightning And you can send packets of Bitcoin Satoshis With your data That makes more sense But the idea was never taken up Because the incentive is not to actually Build your project It's to actually make money So my conclusion after a long um, Look at these projects I, I used to consult For Bitcoin, crypto Crypto um, Investments. That's why my initial name was Crypto Hash Review. My idea was I would give you a review, an Islamic review of your crypto. And after advising many people and being paid for it, even, it just, it, the conclusion was just just buy Bitcoin. <laughs> You're wasting your time. It doesn't make any sense. And Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, I've saved many people from disaster. They they paid for my consultation. They brought me their their shit coin, and I said to them. Just sell your coin and buy Bitcoin. And one brother was like, no, brother, this is got, they got a good team and look at this and look at that. I said, look, I'm telling you, just buy Bitcoin. And the guy reluctantly said, oh, okay, okay. I I knew he, he kind of wasn't really feeling it. But Alhamdulillah, about three months after that, he, he came back to me and said, you know, brother, thank you. Jazakallah khair, Because literally a few weeks after that, it went to zero. <laughs> so, um, Alhamdulillah, I, I saved many people's lives. From that. So, uh, in conclusion, my view now about other token, other currencies is that this. I do believe there is a future in the tokenization of real world assets as a mechanism of making it easy to buy and invest. So, I have property. I don't. Sorry, I have. I have a property. I want to sell it. I can't find a buyer who's going to buy the entire property. But if I tokenize a property, maybe there will be hundred. Hundred buyers who buy the tokens, so I can essentially get my liquidity, my my value, my property, and now these people can be shared owners in this real world asset. I see a future in that, and you can do that on Liquid Network and whatnot. Uh, I see a future in that, but as for issuing tokens that have some kind of function in the network, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a need. And I just don't think it would, um, it would make much sense. The only problem, how, however, with this tokenization of things is that it needs backing or some 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 kind of enforcement from government. So it is it, it, it although you're using the rails of some kind of network, the only benefit you get from that is the instant ability to just sell it. So I can literally on a website I can exchange this token for money and the instant liquid as liquid, a uh, 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 means of of um of uh, gaining liquidity. But besides that one benefit, I don't really see a benefit in 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 tokens to, uh, per se. That's that's kind of my conclusion. I mean I'm, I'm welcome to be proven wrong, but my experience, I, I just don't see any any purpose of using anything other than Bitcoin because and again let's just conclude in case I didn't get the gist. Because when you take out the token from a project, if it doesn't if your idea doesn't work, then it most likely is, is a is a Ponzi or, or a scam. Why use something new or why make something new that you already when you already have have Bitcoin? Yeah, that's that's my, my basic conclusion.
0: Yeah, and I think um you know a lot of people obviously see the stories of the shitcoiners that uh, managed to make significant gains but um there's at least 25,000 digital currencies other than Bitcoin right now but there's a handful or maybe two handfuls of currencies that have outperformed Bitcoin over any kind of significant period of time. And so the idea that you could have picked these Few currencies out of the sea of thousands and tens of thousands of others is complete fiction. And of course, you know, this is survivorship bias. You look at the ones that uh, successfully picked—well, I wouldn't say successfully, that luckily picked <laughs> luckily the picked, uh, yeah. It was
1: an oops, lucky. yeah,
0: yeah. That luckily picked the ones that ended up uh, shooting up. And of course, these people end up having more money and end up becoming more visible and end up t- telling the world about their story. And you think this is—and and so if you look at these five or four or ten or uh, no matter how many currencies and their people, you think, yeah, there's the—you you can outperform Bitcoin with these currencies, but. of of course if you look overall that there's no way to tell which one of these fake narratives is going to catch on which one of them is going to have the marketing that's going to make it and ultimately you're just gambling on fraud you're gambling on fraudulent um, incorrect narratives that are being peddled in order to um, as you said avoid securities law or just benefit from the ability to print money
1: oh, but there's just one one point to add to that actually i had actually had i actually had one idea because I used to, back in the day when I, was, when I was learning about Bitcoin, I used to attend some um, workshops learning how to actually code on Ethereum actually, ironically enough. <laughs> I actually learned how to make my own smart contracts and whatnot. And I actually wrote a white, I wrote a white paper, my own white paper to try and make my own little uh, network. But um, when I wrote my white paper, my, my white paper... I, I I intrinsically didn't like the idea of this issuing tokens and minting tokens I thought it was it was a stupid idea because I liked the idea I had already invested in the idea of Bitcoin that you earn currencies through work so I figured let me make a system where, where that's exactly how it works so the system I had was about um, was about um, reputation so you have a shop. And you want to issue, you want to give out um, tokens that you can redeem. You know, you buy coffee every day, you get a token, you get a token. And if you get five tokens, you get free coffee. That was just the idea. Imagine you can have this token and use it at other shops rather than just this one shop. So the question was, how do you get this token out there in the market? That was my, because my, I, I didn't want to mint it because I thought it was unfair. How, what gives me the right to mint these tokens? So my idea was, everyone who goes to a shop and verifies that the shop is actually a real shop, and actually actually has a real business and does a good review, they can be rewarded for their work. So I actually try to incorporate the idea of proof of work into the token. So maybe if someone had a similar idea where they could reward someone for actual real-world work and they can receive some kind of work for that. Maybe I don't know. I'm not saying that is it's not by the way I'm not saying it's haram. These tokens i'm not saying that it's just it's just it's just a scam but if, if someone actually had a token whereby it was attached to something real world like a, like 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 i said like a, some kind of real world f- uh, function like mining for example then maybe that could work but again why why make why why do something that is not is not tested when you can use something that's already tried and tested which is like i said use satoshis i mean we've seen so many ecosystems grown now that we can reward people with satoshis It seems to work.
0: Yeah, no, but I think think the answer to that one is if you could attach anything in the real world to a token, as you were saying earlier with any kind of asset, if you could attach anything to a token, then you can also attach gold, and then we don't need Bitcoin and we don't need tokenization. We just go back to a gold standard and we have a digital gold standard. But the entire problem is that you can't attach digital assets to real world assets. There's nothing... To prevent you uh, as the person who controls this network from making more assets than there is gold or real estate or whatever it is, so we're back to square one we're back to having a centralized issuer, so you might as well just stick to fiat because at least uh, that's been tried and tested and it's got a banking system attached to it, and what you have is essentially just a one guy doing things trusting in an entity
1: actually it was actually reminding me actually when you said that I was actually approached i had I, I was actually hired for a consultation from one of the representatives of the UK government about the, they was was exploring the idea of tokenizing or putting the land registry on the blockchain. And we went through a whole two hours hashing out this idea, how would it work? And the conclusion was, it's not gonna work. (laughs) Because he gave me all these different scenarios how it could work, and I said, yeah, but you have the fundamental problem is you've made an immutable ledger. What happens if someone comes to someone's house at gunpoint and convinces them to send that house to another person's wallet. And then you as the government want to undo that. Because it's obviously it's, it's a crime. You can't do that. I mean, he yeah, he still has the house, he still lives in the house. But you know now the whole system what does the system mean then? You have a system which says this other guy is the owner, but you all know he isn't the owner. And you've made a system that is immutable it it just just doesn't work it just doesn't work it
0: makes no sense absolutely and what if I hack your private keys do do I get to go into your house and evict you from the house (laughs) exactly it doesn't work It doesn't doesn't work. so there's going to have to be an authority that overrules whatever the private key tells you and tells you nope that house is this guy and so you're trusting that authority anyway and so we're back to just the same thing so all of these stories only make sense as excuses to print money the more time (laughs) you spend in the uh, crypto universe the more time you spend looking into shit The more you realize there's absolutely no reason to use anything other than Bitcoin, except you you want to have a money printer for yourself. And this, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you're not being open minded. Oh, you know, you're anti innovation. And these people can uh, continue to enjoy their delusions there is no reason for needing another currency. There is no possibility of making any other currency that is truly decentralized. We've got all of these tens of thousands of currencies. It would take me 15 minutes of Googling for any single one of them (laughs) to find you the list of names that you could lock up and um, put a gun to their head and have them change the protocol. So the idea that you can make something decentralized like Bitcoin is fictitious and so, It's Bitcoin or fiat slavery. That's the only choice.
1: You know what's interesting about about Bitcoin? I think, again, one of its properties about Bitcoin, like I said, Bitcoin is more than just the code. It's properties. And what's interesting about Bitcoin and fascinating to me really is that the technology that Satoshi, I mean, Satoshi, what did he really do? Did he he do anything which is really new? No, he put together multiple ideas into this package called Bitcoin. And and, and what's unique and, and amazing about this is that it only really, really works in that one system bitcoin <laughs> it's like put into any other system it just doesn't seem to seem to work it only actually worked in that one time solution of bitcoin that it could have gone i mean it could have gone wrong maybe he still, she made a mistake maybe he maybe he, he maybe he 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 he's still alive so many things could have gone wrong but so many things came together so many pieces came together almost miraculously and that's why I said you can't actually redo bitcoin the system can't be remade. I
0: think a good way of thinking of it is that it's like a jailbreak. You know, somebody figured out a plan to get out of the fiat jail, and that plan could only work once because once you've done it and once you've escaped, they're going to figure out how you did it and they're going to close it. You yeah. know, you figured out he's going to dig a wall hole or he's going to build a ladder or something and get out. And then once they've figured out, once they've seen this guy break out, they're going to build something that's going to stop it. This is exactly where we are. So yeah, exactly. it could only be done once. After you've done it once, any, any person who's going to do it is doing it as a proprietary system because it had to work as a neutral network. And it yeah. worked the first time as a neutral network. Now, if you wanted to do it as a proprietary system, then it doesn't work. And once you already have the neutral network out there functioning, you can't make another neutral network because all, anybody who wants the neutral network is going to the already existing neutral network and the only people that are going to be drawn to the proprietary networks are people who are in it for reasons other than a neutral network and so you end up with essentially a security, somebody's liability.
1: And I think, I, I, I know many many Muslims may, may object to what I'm going to say next but if you think about it, if you, if you look at the Islamic belief of Qadr whereby everything is pre-decreed and Allah has decreed things to be as it is if you look at our current situation where, we ha- where we've been living in the last 50 years in a fiat world In a world of riba And you have this system That if you actually analyse it, it shouldn't have happened I mean, there's, there was every reason for things to go the other way I was to to still be alive and, and take control of the system Or there's so many things that could have gone wrong That it didn't go wrong That this is literally like a, a gift to mankind to say, look, here's your opportunity to exit this interest-based credit system, and this is the only opportunity you have. I, I, I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not saying that Satoshi is an angel or, or sent down from the heavens, but I am saying that unless someone can show me a feasible alternative to Bitcoin, Muslims have no alternative but to embrace this because it's like I said, it's either the the pork or the beef. There is nothing else in the middle. So those who say, oh, but brother, but brother, how do you know it's decentralized?" Look, forget the argument. If you don't like Bitcoin, fine. I don't mind. You, you, can, you can hate it as much as you like. But un- unless you give me an alternative to fiat that also works, you have no argument. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the only conclusion. Even if you want to say, oh, but brother, how do you know it's decentralized? How do you, who is Satoshi Nakamoto? Bro, it's, irre- it's irrelevant. The issue is this. You don't like Bitcoin, fine. Don't like it. Hate it as much as you like. But we acknowledge and we agree the fiat is haram What alternative do you actually have today That I can act upon now Other than bitcoin Because if you don't have that Your argument is pointless You're just arguing over semantics You have bitcoin And you have fiat And there's nothing else So you choose That's, 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 my, that's where I've come to at the moment where, where People argue I, I get frustrated now I'm like okay I can't, I can't be asked with the argument anymore Because unless you've brought me a solution I don't see any, any alternative Just Just wake up
0: Exactly. I think this is the key thing, that it's not its its not like we're at offering you a new phone. Oh, you know, well, this is a faster iPhone. Or this is a fancier Android. Uh, this is uh, – it's, it's not just a new feature that's nice to have. If you care about um, your religious beliefs as a Muslim, and if you care about justice in the world in general, yeah, you don't even yeah. have to be a Muslim. If you don't like the idea of living in a world where a small, tiny percentage of humanity gets to siphon off the wealth of… All the rest of humanity because they have access to the money printer, to the fiat debt printer, then this is your only way out. And the vast majority of people um, who have any kind of, I should say, you know, a, a bigger outlook on life beyond their day to day eating and surviving, the people who care about political or economic issues, the people who are upset about poverty or about uh, inequality, the vast majority of those people, they're upset about things that are caused by inflation. They may not understand it. They may not—they uh, may be brainwashed to believe moronic leftist ideas that this is all the result of capitalism and free trade or whatever. But the reality is, if you really understood what you're upset about, you would understand that the real issue is inflation. And so if you think that is a problem. Your only way out is Bitcoin. Your only way out of this system is Bitcoin. So therefore, as a Muslim, as any person who cares about justice, who cares about uh, humanity, who cares about not living in a world where you're enslaved and need to constantly work harder to provide for others to commit all kinds of horrible crimes... This is the only alternative, and so the onus is on you to prove why sticking to debt slavery with fiat is superior to this new technology. The onus is not on the people who have this new technology to show you why it has all these fancy bells and whistles that make it better than your debt slavery system, because the only working alternative to Bitcoin is fiat debt
1: slavery. And the fun- and the funny thing is, just as just as a just a, to a, I would say, put a nail in the coffin. If he actually was to ignore inflation And if he actually was to even ignore interest Ignore Riba as, as an issue Imagine there was no issue The issue is not Riba The issue is not inflation The issue is not the, the IMF And the, 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 the continuing effect none, none of that's an issue The simple fact is Transacting using banks Is an inefficient way of doing business I mean, let me give you an example I mentioned to you just, just a, a, a half an hour ago There was a the guy who, I, who asked me to transfer to him money to hire his flat, his apartment uh, when I was doing Umrah That was about almost two weeks ago Would you believe me I told you that his money hasn't arrived in his account yet? <laughs> Why? Because the bank sent me a list of questions Who is this person? How do you know him? What's the reason for your transactions? Where's the source of your money? And is there a third party involved? What's his name of, uh, name and address? What's his date of birth? These, I'm not joking, these are the questions they asked me I replied to them almost 10 days ago And to this moment today, the guy's messaging me Where's my money? I'm like, look, I sent it to you It left my bank account You asked your bank, I don't know where it is <laughs> And I'm, I, 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 I thought I'd say to him If he just accepted Bitcoin, it would have been over Just like I say, that this, these are things that every person Muslim or non-Muslim, we recognise immediately That the fact that the banks control your money and they KYC your money. And they ultimately decide when and where you spend your money. This is enough reason to leave that system. That's enough reason. I mean, look at look at Russia. They had their money seized. That's enough reason to leave fiat. Because someone else ultimately controls your, 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 your income. It controls your, your wealth. That is one of the features that is undeniable, unarguable about comparing Bitcoin and fiat. With Bitcoin, I can send my money to you. Immediately And not a single human being can stop that From going, going ahead If I pay the fees it's mined in a block It's done and dusted Whereas in the fiat system I put your de- bank details in I press send And after that I'm making dua I'm praying Oh Allah Please let the money get there in time Oh Allah Please don't let them stop it Oh Allah Please don't let, let, let them close down my account Because of some reason I don't understand You have to Every transaction you're, you're making dua I'm not joking I, I hate using the bank Because every time I open the app I have to make the art, it's still still functional. I've had accounts closed down, no explanation, just closed. So at the very least, ignore all the issues of fiat, ignore, I mean, of of interest, and ignore issues of inflation. Fundamentally, it's a broken system. It's broken as a system.
0: I agree. All right, we have a question from Harry uh, who asks, if the value of the dinar, dirham or BTC increases over time, we would tend to hoard money itself. Could you comment on hoarding, nisab, and demurraj, please? Do you have thoughts on yeah. that? Yeah,
1: so just, just to clarify, what they mentioned some words here. They mentioned the word nisab. So for those who don't know, uh, Muslims have, a, have a, in Muslim beliefs, in religion, we have something called zakah. It, essentially, it's, it's a money taken, 2.5% of your wealth that you've held and stored for a year over a certain limit. Once you have this threshold, and you had it for over a year, you pay 2.5% every year in zakah to eight people or eight eight categories one that is poor, those who have debts, and the, the, the traveler, all that kind of stuff. So these they receive your donation. But that's only if you have this threshold. And that threshold is about 81 grams of gold, which is about, I think, now $4,300. So if you have $4,000, you pay no zakah. If you have $3,000, you pay no zakah. If you have $5,000, and you held it for a year, you pay zakat. So that's that's the issue of, 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 um, of nisab. Now, in terms of answering the question of what is, I think the question is related to the value of the nisab. Is that, is that the question? So, how would you pay your zakat if the value of it goes up and down? So, one of the things I did, I did a video on this a few years ago, and it was trying to answer the question about this nisab, this, this threshold. Was this threshold set? As an act of worship Meaning it just just do this number Once you reach this number Then you pay nisab, nisab. Or was it an actual value Meaning It says in, in Islam If you have 85 grams of gold If you have 85 grams of gold That is the threshold Of what is a rich person And therefore if you are a rich person You pay zakah Less than that you're not rich And therefore you don't pay zakah So the question is What happens if the 85 grams of gold can now barely buy buy you a bottle of water Because the the price of gold has gone to zero Do we still stick to that threshold or not? That's that's essentially, I think that's kind of what he's asking And what I discovered, interestingly enough Was that it was attached to a value, not a number Let me explain why We have uh, zakat is on gold, on silver, on camels, on sheep, on cows Some produce and whatnot, whatnot. So when you look, actually look at the, the, the number of camels you need to have, the number of sheep you need to have, the number of silver you need to have, the number of amount of gold you need to have, and what is the, that, that that threshold? At the time of the message of Allah, they actually were all the same value. Meaning, for 85 grams of gold, you could buy five camels. And for five camels, you could buy, you could exchange for 40 sheep. And for 40 sheep, you can exchange for 200 dirham I.e. they were all the same value They were all actually the same value So fast forward now to the 21st century What do we do? What do, we, do we still stick to a value or, do we, or, do, or, does, or does it change? Ironically, gold, what you could buy for gold today if you actually look at the text, Islamic text, it's actually the same you could buy for gold today, uh, back in them, As in, if you actually look at how much 85 grams of gold could buy you today, it actually would buy the same amount of camels you could buy back then. It actually hasn't changed, ironically. But silver, it has. So, the only issue we have at the moment, Islamic speaking, is with the value of silver, not with gold. So, the nisab of, of, of gold is the same. It hasn't changed. And the camels and sheep, it's still the same thing. You still, you still do the same things you can do with a camel and sheep that still have the same. But silver... It has changed Back at the time, at the time in the message of Allah The ratio between gold and silver Was 7 grams to 1 gram of gold 7 grams of silver was equal to 1 gram of gold At the time of Prophet Muhammad Today, it's about 70 to 1 So it's actually drastically changed If you were to pay zakah today If you were to say, say, okay, how would I pay zakah in my fiat money? I would say use the value of gold As your nisab, as your threshold Because that has remained constant throughout the ages but don't use the value of silver because that has been decimated so if you look at the nisab of gold that's about $4,300 if you look at the nisab of silver it's about $500 so technically speaking if you go by the, the, the threshold of silver you're considered rich if you just had $500 which we know is not the case whereas if you look at the nisab of gold $4,500 is the minimum threshold of that and that actually adds up to be the same So plan that now to Bitcoin, I would use the value of gold when weighing Bitcoin. And actually, ironically, if you're interested, I actually have a chart on TradingView. So if you, if you, I'll, I'll give you the details after that. But if you go to TradingView and you put in this ticker or whatever, it actually tracks the value of Bitcoin in gold. And, and you actually you put in the details how much money you have in Bitcoin. It tells you if you're above the NISAB or below the NISAB. Throughout the ages. So you just look at when you had an Islam, what the age it was, and it tells you if you have to pay Zakat or not in trading view. I mean, it's available if you want to use it. Um, but yeah. So that's how you would pay your Zakat in Islam in gold, in, um, in, in Bitcoin and even in fiat, if you want to add that as well. You have to weigh it according to gold purely because gold has maintained what it has, but don't use silver as your, as your measure. Now, there is one slight caveat to this. Conclusion What I just mentioned If you actually have silver So imagine you actually have The nisab of silver In silver Then I would say In that bar itself Give the, give the zakat In that silver Why? Because what I'm saying Is an ijtihad I'm, I'm looking at the evidence I'm looking at the situation And I'm evaluating That on balance of probability If you look at what was said It seems that like there was a constant value So we stick to that constant value but when it comes to silver, just for the sake of the actual number being mentioned, in that piece of silver, pay your zakat in that silver. Not in all your your overall wealth, but just in the actual silver bars you might have in your house, which I'm guessing 99.999% of people don't have don't have 200 um, dirhams in the house, but if you did happen to have them,
0: hopefully, none of my listeners after all of my tirades <laughs> against silver. I, I really hope if you're listening, get rid of your silver as quickly yeah, as you can. Yes, um,
1: but but on a side note, I don't I know, sometimes I go on a bit, but on a side note, there's one actual in- interesting argument I make towards uh, Muslims. Who have an issue about the volatility of, of Bitcoin They say, oh how can you use Bitcoin? How can it be currency? It's so volatile I say, okay I concede Bitcoin is volatile But you also concede That silver is currency Islamically speaking How volatile is silver? Can you feasibly use silver as a currency? If you say, If they say yes they by definition have to accept Bitcoin because silver is as volatile as Bitcoin During Covid it went from $15 an ounce to $30 an ounce That's almost doubling in a couple of months That's, that's, that's Bitcoin territory right there So if Muslims accept silver as a currency By definition they have to accept Bitcoin as currency Or sorry me rephrase that If they accept the volatility of silver They have to also accept the volatility of Bitcoin Because they're the same and likewise, if they accept the volatility of the, the, the Turkish Lira or the volatility of the Lebanese Pound or whatever, it, whatever they call it They also by definition have to accept the volatility of, of Bitcoin So that's my only little caveat, my little thing to add there about, about silver Is that by, by Islam we have to accept big silver as a, as a currency And therefore if it's volatile in silver then it's also volatile in Bitcoin, and it's fine
0: yeah i think you know volatility is just um people dealing with goods on the market price goes up and down that's just how prices work i think you cannot establish a religious uh limit on how much volatility Uh, there are no volatility indices anywhere in religious scripture so um it's, it's 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 inevitable
1: there's actually the opposite i would say there is Meaning we have a text, we have an event at the time, Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Where the companions or his disciples, they came to him and said to him Oh Messenger of Allah, the prices have gone up Can you set the prices for us? And he said no, verily it is Allah who sets the prices So that was the first thing, he explained that number one Setting prices is not the, the remit of not only a leader but not even a prophet can set prices So for those who say that we can set prices then Maybe you maybe you're higher than a prophet, I don't know. But if the prophet can't set prices and he receives revelation from the heavens and the leader can't set the prices, then what about us? That's the first thing. But then he continued, he didn't just stop there, he continued by saying, I don't want to meet any of you on the day of judgment, and any of you have a claim of oppression against me. Meaning, if he sets the price, let's say bread is at 10 pounds, and he says sets it at five and you transact at five. Oppression is happening Because the guy who deserves 10 Is not getting his 10 He's been oppressed He's been He's been moduloom He's been oppressed From the remaining of his 5 pounds That he deserves Because that's the market price So by setting the prices You are effectively Oppressing the merchant Either up or down Whatever the case may be So actually the Prophet Muhammad Refused to be To set prices Because he refused to oppress The people by doing so So we actually have a precedent Islamically speaking That Number one Volatility existed At the time of the message of Allah They actually had volatility And number two there, there was actually a need To address the volatility They said set the prices Because it's becoming expensive But he refused to do so So I can make a claim Islamically speaking That it's number one Volatility existed from, time, from the from the beginning So there's there, you, can't, you can't say it's a new thing It's not a new phenomenon It's an old phenomenon And number two He didn't Tried to fight volatility, he embraced it. You you could say. So I'll I'll probably say that there's actually maybe a case to be made that volatility is okay. (laughs) Volatility is is the market.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you entirely. Mahawi, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. This has been a very fascinating uh, and useful conversation, and I hope it gives our listeners plenty of food for thought. (laughs) Halal food for thought, obviously.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me. Halal food, alhamdulillah. hamdulillah, Thanks for having me. It's a good opportunity to come here, and I'm, I'm glad to, have, uh, to share the, the, the Islamic stance um regards to Bitcoin because I think it's very important um, for Muslims to to wake up, and I think you gave an a perfect analogy. I mean, when you when you said it, it it, it literally it was like a smack in the face. You, you get the analogy you said is that Bitcoin is not like an app or a new thing you can you, you have time. To adopt. It's not, it's not like Twitter, where you can, you can, you can afford to, to, to make your account a year later or a month later and it's, it's just the same. The longer you take to realize it, the worse off it will become to you. I mean, imagine, imagine a world where everyone else on planet Earth adopts Bitcoin, except the Muslims. And then at that point we decide, okay, now it's halal because everyone's using it. <laughs> can you imagine what will be the case and how disadvantaged? Uh, Muslims would be by default As in the thing we need To survive or escape interest Is now adopted by everyone else And we now have to pay that premium Whatever the price of Bitcoin is at the time I mean we're just harming ourselves by, by delaying So hopefully Muslims will listen At the very least say, Don't buy it on my behalf Don't buy it because I said so Because Saif says said so but, but at least open a book And educate yourself I mean, I mean your religion deserves that that you educate yourself and make the effort to escape riba. All
0: right, tell us more about where people can find you and uh, what you do online.
1: Um, At the moment, uh, I mean, I have, uh, I I, I made a few videos, not a few, I mean, I made, I tried to make it, I have a YouTube video account called uh, BTC divided by zero. Um, And essentially I have like almost 200 videos where I explain what Bitcoin is. I try to do so from first principles, from an Islamic perspective, bringing Islamic analogies like, for example, how, uh, how Islam, we have memorised the Qur'an through Mutawatid We tried to give examples how you can understand Bitcoin from an Islamic perspective even on a technical level and more importantly, I have also have a, a series of videos in a, in a, in a respectful manner uh, addressing the objections by scholars of Bitcoin I think that's probably one of the most important things I've, I've, I've developed So I've, I've gone through videos of those who objected towards Bitcoin scholars and I've tried to address them one by one so hopefully that will serve as a as a as a means for others to educate themselves and and, use, and and remove some of the doubts in their minds because obviously people have doubts. So that's 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 probably the first protocol. And obviously you can find me on Twitter uh, as well. Uh, I do post uh, often on Twitter. What was your handle?
0: Your Twitter handle?
1: Twitter handle is a BTC divided by zero. Okay. Yeah, BTC divided by zero. It used Excellent. to be. Oh no 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 not Twitter.
0: And we'll we'll be posting the links.
1: So not Twitter. Twitter I haven't because I wasn't sure. So everything else is that, but Twitter specifically, it's C underscore hash review, because it used to be that, that okay. old, uh, new, crypto hash review. I wasn't sure if I changed it, what I mean by my old post, I wasn't sure wh- how that works, so I left it as it is. But um, generally speaking, the name is that, but the actual handle is C underscore hash review. Excellent.
0: All right, we'll be posting all these links in the show notes. Um, thank you so much again, Maria. Thanks for having me. And we uh, will hopefully have you over again.
1: Inshallah, insha'Allah. JazakAllah khair. khairam. Insha'Allah. Take care. Bye-bye.